Wonderful. Grab a seat, family, please. Thank you, team. He makes me sound big and grumpy. There's only one I've got to sort out when I come out here. Danielle Teefee. Fantastic. You doing good? So good to see you. So good. You know, we, um, we treasure every moment we're out here. We pray for you a lot. And here's something that we need to always watch what we're saying. We can never say DLC is a good church for Alice Springs or for Central DLC is a great church. The presence of God is here. Amen. He's doing great things. And, and just, you know, there's so much about what God is doing here that just causes Lynn's and my heart to swell with joy. Thank God for you. Thank God for all that's happening. And today I actually want to speak into something that's really special that's happening amongst us. I um, watched, I, I, I stalk you. I stalk Desert Life Church. All right. I watch you on Instagram and I, I see all the wonderful things that happen on, on Let's Help Day. Only a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ben was referring to it just a few minutes ago and uh, it happened to synchronize with uh, what was happening at Hope Center and we're hopefully strategizing to maybe just move it slightly cooler months, slightly um, so we can all go together. NLC up in, uh, up in Nambour on the Sunshine Coast. We're hopeful all of us just, just together doing something great for God on that one specific day. But I want to speak into that but say that, you know what, God's called us to do great things for him on not just one day but every day. Can you say amen to that? And I, I feel like the choir leader singing back to the choir. I said to Ben this morning, I don't feel like I have to adjust anything. I actually want to speak into a strength. I want to see, continue to laminate what God is doing here and, and maybe open our eyes to think, this is why I'm here. This is what we do. So can we pray together? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you for your presence. We, as we enthrone Jesus in praise, we sense you working amongst us. And so now, as we open your word, speak to us, speak through us. Help us not just be hearers, but doers of your word. And we all agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to launch from there today because there's something specific that God said to his people. I believe that God was speaking to his people back then and I believe he's speaking to his people right now. And in Jeremiah 29, 7, there's a, a, a beautiful verse and, and it's, it, it captures everything we're going to share today. It says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. How many want your city to prosper? You know, if it prospers, you will prosper. If you prosper, it will prosper. If you prosper, it will prosper. If it prospers, you will prosper. I honestly believe that we have a God that wants to see an uplift of redemptive grace in our communities. However, there is flawed thinking in the minds of many of God's people. False expectations. Do you suffer with false expectations? I, I suffer with it all the time. All the time. I engaged a personal trainer earlier this year. I'm shocked that I wasn't chosen for the Olympics. I mean, two sessions a week, sporadically, over four months, 
I had false expectations that like, like instantly. No. I'm guilty of false expectations, but so is the church. So are the followers of Christ. It's happened right out back in the early days of the New Testament. When, when Jesus arrived on the planet, God in flesh, many of his followers were, were students of the word. Many of them knew the teachings of the Old Testament. Many of them knew the Messianic prophecies that when Jesus would come, he would bring the kingdom of God. And so the expectation was for people in that world, in that time, that when Jesus came to the Middle East, when he came to Israel, oh, thank God that the Messiah has come. He is going to destroy tyrannical Rome. Those horrible people that are actually changing culture, those horrible people that are actually making life somewhat difficult at times. He's going to come and destroy them. But he came and preached peace and told us to love our enemies. And stuff. They were shocked. Nothing changed. Even, even when they put him on the cross. Like what? And they put him in a tomb. Then he rose again. Here it comes. Right up until we come through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we come to when Luke writes the, the Acts of the Apostles. The day he's gone back to heaven handful of weeks after he rose from the dead. They gather around him, and you'll see it in the first chapter of Acts in verse 6. Can, can you see this happening? Like, the cross, that blows our mind. His teachings was, was a little different. He's, he's telling us to, to love our enemies. He's telling us to pay taxes to these tyrants. He rises from the dead. This will be the moment. No, not. Then they're gathering around him, and he, he's, he's preparing them for... Heading back to heaven. So they gather around him and they ask him, you can almost hear it. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Maybe now, maybe right now, our expectations are that you're actually going to get rid of all the bad stuff and all the bad people. And it's just going to be um, beautiful. And his response in verse 7 is classic. He says, like Premier Joe, don't you worry about that. <laughs> then he comes to verse 8, and he says, don't worry about all the times and the seasons. That, that's, that's, that's not for you to worry about. You know, you know what needs to be your focus? Verse 8 of Acts 1. But you, stop talking about them, because I want to talk about you. But you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power. You shall receive what? To be a witness. By the way, that word witness isn't just standing on the corner with a megaphone. It means you'll actually be enabled to actually stand for me even if you're martyred. Anyway, let's move on quickly. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and right around the world. As Pastor Ben said, doing mission down the road and around the globe. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Part of my unrealistic expectations is that I would have time to be a movie producer. Alas, that won't happen. But if I was, I'd like to make at least a TV show. And you know what I'd call it? I'm a believer. Get me out of here. You've seen it on TV. I'm a celebrity, but most Christians play this game. This is their prayer life. A lot of believers, this is their prayer life. God, 
I thought you loved me. How come I'm in Alice Springs? God, I, I thought you loved me. How come I'm stuck in this workplace? God, look at my family. It's like the Adams family. God, God, what? You, how? I thought you loved me. This neighborhood, really? I'm, I'm your child. I thought you loved me. Why am I here? Well, if we were to wind the clock back, 2,600 years or thereabouts, there was a prophet called Jeremiah raised up by God to speak to his people that had unrealistic expectations. And he dealt with what I call the Babylon dilemma. See, God's people were in Babylon. Not all of them. Just the bright ones. <laughs> the craftsmen, the artisans, the talented ones. Have a look on your own. People like us. People that were gifted. Everyone in this room got God-given gifts. And they were stuck in a place called Babylon, in a culture that was so different from theirs. The way people treated each other, the language, the behavior, everything about their culture was so different. And they, they cried out to God and they said, God, we're your children. We thought you loved us. We're in covenant with you. Get us out of here. God raises up Jeremiah and says, speak to my people. And we have in context some of those verses that lead up to the one we just read. Let me start from verse 4 of Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. How many know that we need to pay attention when God begins to speak? Anybody here not good at paying attention? Anybody here didn't even listen to me and don't know that I asked whether you're not good at paying attention? I'm terrible. I don't always pay attention. Ask Lynn. I have man looks. You know what man look is? I have them. Sometimes I have man looks at scripture. Sometimes I miss some of the important things in life. Like, I think I've told Pastor Ben this recently. I was, I was on the phone to my national office dealing with a pretty heavy issue. But, you know, I thought this, this call would last a couple of minutes. It just went on. It's just going on and on. It's like, and I, I, I'm listening, but you know what? I was also hearing from down in these regions. I'm thinking, I'm hungry. So what I thought was, I'm going to talk. I'm going to listen. I'm going to put my phone on mute. They'll never know. But I'm actually going to... Lynn had made these beautiful muffins. I thought, you know what? Muffins are nice, but muffins with 20 seconds in the microwave. Bang, straight to heaven. Beautiful. So I thought, what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to put it in the microwave. So I, uh-huh. Mm, listening, listening, listening. Boop, put them on mute. You won't even hear this. Boop, 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 boop. 20 seconds. Went for a walk. I'm listening. Yep, I'm with you. Yep, yep, we can fix that. Some minutes into it, four, five, six, I don't know. It's quite a long way. I start smelling something in the house. I'm home on my own. I start smelling something. I think, what is that? I, I made one mistake. I didn't hit 20 seconds. I hit 20 minutes. <laughs> and where there used to be a muffin, there was a piece of coal. Smoking, smoking. <laughs> Lynn came home and she said, this, this question gets asked in our house a lot. What have you done? Anyway, <laughs> I realise you need to pay attention to some things. And when God speaks, we need to hear. And God is speaking not only back then as it's recorded in Scripture. God is speaking to his people today. Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5. Build houses and what? Settle down. Don't look sideways. 
Settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters. Give them in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase. There's a big word. That's the word of the Lord to the church. Say it with me. Increase. Oh, there's all kinds of chatter around now. Let's deconstruct the church. By the way, young adults, everybody that can, catch up with Pastor Ben's teaching next Wednesday. I, I believe it's going to actually bring life because there's this theory around at the moment that the, the church of Christ is supposed to pull back, shrink back, diminish. No, no, that's never been God's plan. His plan for the kingdom is to advance. His plan for the church, Jesus said, I will build my church. God's plan is that all may come. Build his church. Always has been. His, his covenants with people like Abraham, with multitudes, that's his plan. This concept of pull back, shrink, rubbish. Increase. Do not decrease. Then he says this. Also, seek the what? Peace and prosperity of the city. Seek shalom, health, rest, well-being, favor. Peace. Seek that for the city where I've sent you, he said. He says, goes on, says, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God's people must have been, hang on a minute. We've been praying for you to get us out of here. God, excuse me, God, have you been watching? Babylon's aggressive. They don't like us. They're, they're demanding all kinds of things of us. Their culture is, talk about a cancel culture. Talk about vilifying. Does this sound like the 21st century? Agree with us or we'll get you. Social media, man. I've actually renounced Twitter, true story. If you study the word Twitter and you go back to the original Greek, you'll find it means septic tank. So I, write that down. I'm staying out of it. It's just full of anger. Angry people that have all of a sudden got a platform to yell at the clouds and stuff. Babylon was, was just angry. It says, agree with us and comply with us or we'll persecute you. How dare you think different? How dare you have a different opinion to us? We'll cancel you. We'll get you. Listen, listen, church, hear me. There's a spirit on that stuff and we need to stay out of it. There is a spirit of Antichrist that's filled with, with, with just all kinds of vile anger. Nothing that looks like the fruit of the spirit. You know what? It's, you know what and it's, it's like this vortex that sucks you in. You need to be careful. You know how it starts? We shift and we spend more time on social media than we do in the word of God. And we, 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 we live life driven to win arguments rather than improve relationships. And it's horrible. No one wins out of that. There's a spirit of antichrist that's in the world today and it's like what was existing in the Babylonian world. It seeks to indoctrinate. It seeks to dominate. And I'm seeing it everywhere. You should see the emails I get. <laughs> it's fun. Just angry people. Here's a simple rule in life. Ready for it? Small things become big things when we forget the main thing. Let me say this in love. The greatest threat to the planet is not a virus. 
It's hatred. And it's anger. And it's fear. And it's anxiety. Let's be people that actually dive into the word of God rather than get conspiracies and caught up in that stuff. Doesn't help. But it does actually help us clearly identify the culture that we're in today. The early church had the same dilemma. Move with me from the Old Testament to the New, and you'll see Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He said, I see the spirit of the age. I see what's happening in culture right now. And Paul's call was, uh, no, don't get caught by this spirit, but ready? Here it is, big thought. Respond to it with a different spirit. Be, be people that respond with a different spirit. If it's anger, show joy. If, it, if, it, if it's an ugly, show peace, kindness in Jesus' name. And, and, and the Corinthians, they, they were struggling. Rome was dominating the world and they were so upset and, and they're, they're trying to work out life and, and there was stuff going on in the church and Paul says, hey, everybody, take time out. Read these letters. 1 Corinthians, classic. 2 Corinthians. He, he, got, he just unpacks so much of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He reminds us in that classic chapter 5, verse 17 of all of them, classic, stands out. He said, if anyone's in Christ, he is a what? New creation. All, not some. Here's the good news. If you're today on a journey of faith and you've been looking for life and reality and purpose and meaning, let me tell you something. What has been sung and what is being said in this place today is not some, some therapeutic program. It's not some a behavioral adjustment concept. No, no, no. This is what happens. When you come to Jesus and when you say, I don't know everything about you, but I want you to change my life, he doesn't come and change you from the outside in. He changes you from the inside out and it's lasting and it's real. You know, I want to stop for a moment and say thank you, church. Pastor Ben wasn't here preaching last Sunday. You know what he was doing? He was supporting Lynn and I and our family. My dad went to heaven just a couple of weeks ago, and we had a celebration of his life on Monday, which Pastor Ben led and, and assisted us with magnificently. And we got to stop last Monday. And we stopped and we thanked God. Because the story of my dad, I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment on fatherhood. And, and I'm writing a story on, on how that some of us get so caught up in, in just the dilemma and the dramas of our family life and our family tree. My dad, at 24, was the town drunk of his city. It's a classic story. Seriously, you could make a movie of it. Life, tragic. I only ever heard my dad tell his story once in my life. I actually interviewed him one month before he died. Recorded it. It was classic. It's something I'll treasure for the rest of my days. And he told me stuff about his life and his childhood that I didn't even know. He never talked about it. Because I asked him once. I said, you never talk about life before you came to Jesus. He said, why should I? That guy's dead. That guy's dead. He, he walked out of a crowd where his mates and he went to mock a preacher guy called Harold Ingwich preaching on the back of an old ute in the main street of Dolby. Got up and preached a message called, "If the, Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Sun therefore shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Listening to it, the choir sang, the whole choir singing a song, come home, come home, you who are weary, come home. He, he, he told me this story, I'm like, this is amazing. 
He walked out amongst his friends and they thought he was going to have a shot at the preacher. Not wearing a shirt and not wearing shoes. Life was a mess. Alcoholism and brokenness right through our family line. And he knelt down in the gutter. And I give you his exact words. Mate, when I got down, a lady came over and said, would you like to pray the sinner's prayer? He said, I haven't got a clue what that is. Let me pray my own prayer. And he prayed this. God, if you're real, I got down here, but I can't get up. If you're real, help me get up. And if you do, I'll know you're real and I'll follow you the rest of my life. At 24. I said, Dad, do you expect to be still alive at 94? He said, I didn't expect to be alive at 34. And today, his son and his daughter are preachers. His grandkids are preachers or teachers. And his great-grandkids are just all changed. Our family life wasn't patched up. It was made new. All things become. And some of you today are looking for life and meaning. Let me tell you, Jesus and Jesus alone. Stop asking him just to change a little bit here and a little bit there. No, no, no. He wants to make all things new. And when he makes all things new, guess what? There's a whole new way of living. It doesn't start with a way of living. It starts with a changed heart. But then when our hearts are changed, everything about us changes. Who can say amen? He, go, he tells us what it's like. Verse 14, he says, now as a new creation, Christ's love compels us. What compels us? What motivates us in life? It's the love of Christ. He said, we're all convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Goes on, verse 15. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Whoa. This flies in the face of a lot of stuff you'll read on Facebook. We no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, if I've truly been crucified with Christ like we sung just a few minutes ago, guess what? It's about him and what matters to him. You know what matters to Jesus? People. People. People matter. Our church was planted in 1930. It's a classic story, another classic story. William Booth Clibben, the grandson of William Booth, planted our church. Classic story. I'll tell you more about it another day. His grandfather, William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, just did phenomenal things, blood and fire. If you know the history of Salvation Army, it's amazing. He became just famous throughout all of England and across the world. And as he got to the end of his life, he was still due to still preach at a great convention of a large group of Salvation Army officers, but he couldn't make it. So he sent a telegram. It was the last thing he ever gave his troops orders about. They thought, as they received the telegram, they said, read this to the convention. What would he say? What would be the one instruction he gave? You know, that, we had, that telegram had one word. Others. That's it. We are dead to self and we live to him and we express it to others. Others. He goes on in verse 20 and we won't go there now, but it's a classic story. He says, now that you're a new creature in Christ, you've come out of the kingdom of darkness, now you're in the kingdom of light and you are ready for this? Ambassadors for Christ. You're an ambassador. You're from another kingdom. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is somebody that represents another kingdom and speaks on behalf of that king. So you thought you're just a plumber. No. 
You thought you're just a nurse or a school teacher. No, no, no. You're first and foremost an ambassador for Christ. And when, when an ambassador speaks, they don't even use their own words. They don't even use their own concepts. They are speaking the words of the one who sent them to be an ambassador. Recently, the, the French ambassador was in the news. Apparently, we made a new deal to build submarines, and our French friends are a little upset, and that's another story. And, and the ambassador was, was speaking, and he, he said, <laughs> when he began to speak, he wasn't making up his own words. He was speaking on behalf of a different kingdom. When we speak, we're speaking on behalf of the king. When, when, when an ambassador speaks, he even speaks with the, with the accent of the kingdom they're from. We, we sound, when, 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 when the French ambassador stands up to speak, he doesn't say, yeah, to go, how are you going, guys? Going all right? How's it going? It's good? No, no. When the French ambassador says, mm-hmm. bonjour, je m'appelle Jean-Claude. You're eight French, I know. It's impressive. And so when, when we go to work tomorrow, God help us remember we're ambassadors for Christ. So when, when we walk in to the room and they're all going, oh, it's Monday, go, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm an ambassador. And, and I speak on behalf and I've got an accent of the kingdom, which is love, joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. It's not complaining and bitterness and bickering and ladder climbing. No, we we got a different accent. And people go, are you from around here? We? (laughs) I am. But I represent King Jesus. That's that's, that's who we are. I don't say, God, you're my child. You'd get me out of here and I don't want to stay in this place. No. You've put me here and you've planted me here, so I'm going to be a blessing. See, what a lot of Christians don't understand is that almost every time that we're in a place, it's his idea. And he wants us to grow there and he wants us to bless there. It's as simple as that. Now, does he have seasons? Of course he does. But wherever we are, God help us be a blessing. I said to the first service, let me repeat it. Too many times when God's people are crying out for deliverance, God is looking for deliverers who will go and set the captive free in Jesus' name. Pastor Ben and I and Lynn and Dan, we have a dear friend, very dear friend. This guy's been a friend of mine forever. His name is Phil Camden. Great leader and pastor, church planter in our nation. Eight years ago, I was at home. The phone rang. I picked it up. I said, Wayne, this is Phil. I said, hey, buddy. How you doing? He said, I'm not good. I could hear the emotion in his voice. I said, what's happening? He said, I've just left the doctor's surgery. They've given me two years to live. He's younger than me. I said, stop it. No. We're going to rebuke that and we're not going to believe that. He said, I've got motor neurone disease. And he says, it's quite advanced. Thought, wow. Well, we're going to believe for healing. Now, let me tell you something. You've got a prayer meeting coming up next week. We believe God still heals. Do I know why he doesn't always heal? No, I don't. But I'll continue to do what he says. You shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I don't know why some aren't. I don't know why Phil hasn't. 
Three years after he was given two years to live, he came and spoke at our men's event. Some of you were there. Walked up on stage with a little bit of assistance. He was on a walking stick then. Today he's in a wheelchair permanently. It's a bit confronting just to behold. When Phil spoke at our men's event, he, he had this line. I've never let it go. He said, when I was a healthy younger man, he said, I used to get a visa and travel to all kinds of places around the world. He had a particular heart for Africa. He said, I'd go to certain nations. He said, I used to need a visa to get to places where I could speak and talk to people about Jesus, people I'd never met before. My visa got me there. He says, now I've been diagnosed with motor neurone disease. He said, the day they gave me that diagnosis, I felt like God gave me another visa. And now I speak into a community of people I've never met before. They're somewhat unseen on the Australian landscape. Sufferers of motor neurone disease and their families. Radically affected by it. And you know, when you talk to Phil, let me continue. Never does he sound like a victim. Never does he sound like somebody that's angry at God. It's, it's actually inspiring. And I talk with him. I said, Phil, what's been happening? He goes, Wayne, I've got to tell you. Just done this other thing, or raising a whole lot of money to find a cure for the disease. I said, "Wow, said, yeah, I just did a did a wedding for one of the family members of one of the people that's got the the condition, and I've just been doing baby dedications, and I've had a chance to speak to this organisation, had a chance to preach somewhere." He said, "I've even done funerals for people that haven't made it." I thought, "Wow, he's not getting mad at God, saying, God, how dare you? Had all these things and all these plans that I wanted to do." Just says, okay, God, you've given me a visa which gives me access to people to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Perhaps he's discovered the truth that Jesus taught us. Matthew chapter 5, when he teaches us what true followers of Christ should look like, how we should live, seeking prosperity, seeking peace, bringing shalom. This is what he says, verse 13 of Matthew 5. You are the what? Let's say it with me. Salt of the earth. He drops it to verse 14 and he says, you are the light of the world. You know, I can tell you a couple of things I know about salt and light. They are agents of change. He actually says, if it ceases to be salty, what's the use of having it? Can I tell you about darkness? I, I, I get a little tired of Christians that just keep telling me how dark the world is. Like, talk about state the obvious. Can I tell you what darkness is? An absence of light. Oh, you should see where I work. It's so dark. Turn on the light. You are the light of the world. You know what we need? We need to get Pastor Ben and a few of the elders down there. No, 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 no. You're in your Babylon. God wants you there to bring shalom. Your neighborhood, your community, your family. Oh, you don't know how dysfunctional our family is. Then model the renewal of a life that's been changed by Jesus. You go and be that. It's amazing the places where God puts us. Not to blend in, but to be a blessing. To be a blessing. To bring kindness. In a world that's angry, in a world that's hurtful, let's bring healing. Let's bring love. Let's bring joy in Jesus' name. As Peter brings the team up, so many people I've met in recent times that are so inspiring me. Let me tell you about Lois. Lois is awesome. Lois is 102. 
Whoa, I know, right? <laughs> Lois is funny. She, she, was, she was born at the end of World War I. She's been through the Great Depression. She lived through World War II. She's seen the Korean War, the, this war, that war. She's been through the GFC. She's been through the, the blah, 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 blah. And, and she struggles to know why people are upset because they've been told to stay home for a few days. But anyway, really? It's okay, people. Lois, she's awesome. As a 17-year-old, she found Jesus. She, she got saved in the first few months of the church that our church planted on the Sunshine Coast, which is now part of our broader Hope Centre family. And when I go there and preach, Pastor Pete brings me and says, Lois, tell him. I said, what? I said, tell him. <laughs> I said, oh, that lady over there, she's from my aged care facility. And so is that one and that one. See, Lois isn't going, oh, it's horrible being old. Woe is me. No, no. You know what? Lois has found a new Babylon. She's in this aged care facility. And you know what she says? These people need Jesus. Actually, many of them are at the end of life. They need Jesus and they need him now. And she's winning them to Christ. Thinking, wow, what an inspiration. In every season, we have a chance to shine. The word of the Lord is arise and shine, for your light has come. Here's the good news. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Let's stop talking about the Babylonians and how hard it is and the government this and the council that and the neighbours this and the neighbours that. Hey, 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 you're the salt of the earth. Go and make a difference in the diseased society. You're the light of the world. Stop moaning about darkness. Oh, you should hear the way they talk. Talk different. Be different. Live different. Seek shalom, peace, and prosperity in Jesus' name. Let our eyes, if you've got your paper Bible here with me, or if you've got your, your tablet open, have a look. Just a few verses down. Matthew, sorry, Jeremiah 29, verse 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You've passed his favorite prophecy. <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That was not to a group of people on the top of a mountain singing Kumbaya. That was to people stuck in Babylon. Because if it prospers... You'll prosper. If you, if you are shalom, you can bring shalom. If you carry peace and blessing, it's going to pop up all around you. See, God wants us to be so blessed that wherever we go, we're a blessing. He wants to be so filled with peace that wherever we go, we can pour it out. Enjoy. Pour it out in Jesus' name. He says, now I want you to pray for your city. Pray for it. Pray for it at the prayer meeting next Sunday night. But tomorrow and Tuesday and Friday, just keep praying for it. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And your kingdom come, I'm going to be an ambassador for your kingdom. So they won't only hear it, they'll see it. Exhibit A. I'm somebody that, in Jesus' name, will be part of bringing a revolution of kindness. Living for Jesus and loving people in his name. Are you up for that? Are you up for that? This Sundays are magnificent. We all need Sundays. Oh, whether it's in the room or online, we need them. 
We need these moments, but you know what? This isn't the end of the week. It's the start of the week. Go get them in Jesus' name. Babylonians need Jesus. Those people that only use his name as a swear word, they need Jesus. Stop being offended. Just bring shalom. Just bring shalom. Can you stand up with me today? I'm excited about something. God, there's something good. The, the kingdom of God, bringing the rule and reign of Jesus, not through the ways of the world, Rome with its tyranny and oppression. No, no. Flipping the script. Serving. Loving. Blessing in Jesus' name. Can I pray for you today? Would you open your hands? Because you are the craftsman. The talented ones, the gifted ones, the gifts of God, which the Bible says are without repentance. In other words, God won't change his mind. He's given you those things to now use for others, be a blessing. I want you to pray a whispered prayer to him. Whatever your profession, whatever your career, whatever your gifts and talents, whatever the opportunities that are before you, I want you to whisper to them a simple prayer that says something like, I give you these, Lord. And I want to express them. Thank you for what you've given me. Now I want to give them to a hurting, broken world. I want you to whisper in your words what that means about your workplace, about your family, about your neighborhood, about the next season of your life. I want you to pray a prayer and then we're going to pray over you. May you know the grace of God, which, is caught, which will cause you to stand when you feel weak. I pray the power of the Holy Ghost upon you so that you can be a witness in every context where the Lord places you. I pray that you would be so empowered with the Holy Ghost that wherever you go, you'd be infectious for the cause of Christ. And I bless you in Jesus' name to shine like a light in a world that's dark and hurting. Now, would you raise your hands to heaven? And would you join me in praying for Alice Springs? Come on, lift your voice. We pray right now for our city, Father. We speak shalom. We speak shalom to Alice Springs. God, Lord, with all the social challenges, with all the issues, with people that don't know you other than a swear word, we right now pray for the city and our prayer is your kingdom come. Come on, lift your voice right now. Begin to speak blessing over it. We pray for salvation of the city. We pray for healing of this community. We pray for our territory. We pray for this nation. God, we pray your kingdom come cup. And as we leave this place, Father, we take up the mantle and the responsibility as your ambassadors. Shift things in the atmosphere and we will walk on the earth as servants of our God to be a blessing in his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you, as we we're worshiping just in, the, in those last few minutes, one of those songs, I felt the Lord speak to me about our church here. We've got to stop seeing it as a pond in the middle of the desert. I actually feel like God's speaking to me. I can see streams in the desert. That word just kept coming over and over. For me. I see more life flowing out of here than any time in our history. Can you say amen? I see life flowing. I see ministries flowing. I see practical expressions of the love of God flowing everywhere. Streams in the desert. I prophesy it and speak it. And those streams aren't just going to be mystical. They're going to have skin on. You're going to be digging the ditches where the river of life can flow. And I bless you in Jesus' name. While we're praying, I took a moment, and please don't for a moment think I was being indulgent. I want, to, I want you to capture the reality of a God that changes life. 
And I just told the story of my father. It's only become so real to me in the last few days of, wow. He truly makes everything new. Everything. When broken, he makes me whole. If I'm lost, he causes me to be found. But here's the deal. It was such a mess, and he didn't just clean me up. He made me brand new. Across this room, there are people that are looking for life. You're looking for the reality of connection with a life-giving God. Your journey's brought you to this moment, brought you into this meeting, brought you online. And you're ready to connect with God for the first time ever, perhaps. Or after being away for a long time, you're ready to say, God, I'm, I'm ready for this. I need you. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. Or you're somebody that you grew up in church, you heard stuff, you went to Sunday school, you went to a youth group, and somehow or other you found yourself under this moment, in this moment. And your heart's beating and saying, say yes. Say, yes, God, I, I need you in my life. Change it. Change it. Come. This morning in the first service, people did that. And in this room and online, there'd be people that are so ready to say, God, I don't know everything about you, but I do know I need you. I need that new life. I need forgiveness. I need your love. That's you. What people are praying for you? Praying for you right now. Praying that you have the courage to do what you need to do and say yes. That you just raise your hand and say, Wayne, pray for me. I'm saying yes to I'm saying yes to God's love. I want him to change my life for the first time. If that's you, just I just want to know who I'm praying for. I want to congratulate you. How many in this room do you say, Yep, yeah, raise your hand so I can see it and say, God, that's me. First time ever. First time in my life. Thank you, my friend. That's wonderful. Thank you, my friend there and that person there. Who else? Others just say, Your heart's telling you, just do it. Just do it. I, I need you, Jesus. Thank you. May you know. God's extravagant love that will change your life, not just for now, but forever. May he guide you and help you as you follow him for the rest of your life. We all agreed and said, amen. Lynn and I love you. Your Hope Center family loves you. We pray for you a lot. So glad to be here today and look forward to catching you sometime in the new year. Good morning. God bless you real good.